creative friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Living Creatively with your hosts, Angela Dalton and Monica Parks. This is the podcast where we discuss topics about finding, nurturing, and protecting your creativity and creative spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl, I love how like when we like before we even hit record on this, like we get on and then we start talking and it just like it feels like we just organically start talking into something that segues into the topic that we're about to talk about. So true. So but true. Before we get to the topic today, how are you doing? I am doing good. I'm doing really good. Had a very relaxing, laid back day. Still, you know, took care of a little bit of adulting. Not as much as I planned on, but it's okay. It's okay. It's not going nowhere. The place is not burning down. It'll be all right. So I'll get to it on another day. But I just wanted to make sure that I enjoyed my day and I did. Oh, good. Yeah. How about yourself? Oh, girl, same. Doing good. Just rolling with it. The sun Mm -hmm. is out, and that is all that I care about. It's Mm -hmm. over 60 degrees. It's good. It's sunny. People are Mm -hmm. happy, Mm -hmm. like which is a big deal out here in Oakland. But people are just (laughs) like, hi. You're like, oh, good. We're going to have a good day today. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's happy for today. Right. Um, It's good. It's good. But like I said, like when you first got on, and before we started hitting record, we were just talking about, I talked about my taxes. I have Thank God for this year. I mean, not really thank God, but it's like, you know, unfortunately, because of all the climate stuff that's happened, floods, rains, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. California was given an extension until October 16th. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that saved my tail because I was not prepared for my taxes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the person who gets my, I get my taxes done in February because I don't even oh. think about it. I want it done. So for me this year, not having my taxes done, my, my mm-hmm. body's just like, something's not right. They're no. coming after you. They're going to come <laughs> after you. <laughs> I'm the very opposite. I don't care if I've got all the time in the world. You not getting this thing filed until the day before or the day of. Like, like clockwork in my mind i can be like let's do it early this year but the better is like why i mean like why are we doing it early let's do it the day before that's i what wish i could do. be cool with that i wish i could roll like that i'm just like i don't want to deal with irs i don't deal with people i don't want to deal with like refunds well i'll take refund but i don't want to pay for payments because it's been a long time since i've had a refund let me put mm-hmm. it that way mm-hmm. so but what we talk, what we wanted to talk about today is this i this understanding that we both have had about what is it, what does it mean to have like the cost of creativity? Mm-hmm. Because no matter what, there are some expenses, there are costs. They could be emotional costs. Mm-hmm. They could be financial costs. Mm-hmm. They could be mental costs. There's just some costs that we don't talk about when mm-hmm. it comes to getting into our creativity. Yes. Yes. So, and in, you know, in, in the, hopes of being transparent with living creatively which is our mission of like Mm -hmm. showing you the good showing you the bad because that's the facts of life Mm -hmm. um that you know we can be honest like what it like in our creative endeavors what you and I both do it's not cheap it's not cheap Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. so I'm really glad that we're gonna have this conversation because I also don't know if you and I even understand like you know, you know what I do. I know what you do, but I don't even think like we know for each other what that means, like the cost of what we do. Right. And so I'm kind of excited to talk about that. So I yeah, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> do it. You want to jump off? Um, sure. What 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 we want to hit first? Financial, mental, <laughs> emotional. What? Girl, whatever's speaking to you. What's speaking to you? <laughs> let's hit financial. Let's just get right Ooh, into it. Okay. 
Um, especially since we just had our conversation previous and then also opening in this talking about like with taxes and stuff like that. And also just not getting into the place of comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody figures out how they're going to make it work differently. Mm-hmm. So just because one person looks like it's just effortless, it might be because of the way that they have their setup done. And for instance, for me, um, like I was telling um, Angela, I just had a year years ago where I just bought a ton of inventory. I don't know what what in the world I was thinking. I don't know if I thought just everybody was going to buy this stuff and I was just going to be making like crazy. I don't know what was the reason behind it. But even if you can see, you can see little boxes all underneath my desk. I all inventory. So for me, each year, um, when I make jewelry, I've always said, okay, I am going to design according to what I have because mm-hmm. it is an expense that I don't have to worry about in buying product and buying materials. And so it, that could mean that I have, you know, a lot of wire um, wires and or metal wires, and I have a lot of uh, sheet metal. And mm-hmm. when I don't have a lot of sheet metal, I have a huge, huge container where for whatever reason, I don't think mentally in my mind, I was thinking, you know, one day I'm going to use the sheet metal. I think in my mind, I was like, this sheet metal costs a lot. I'm not throwing it away. Like, I'm just going to keep it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know if I'm going to melt it down one day, what I'm going to do with it. I'm just going to keep it. So I have this huge bin of scrap metal. And a lot of the pieces that I've created most recently, like the circle hoop earrings and the half hoop earrings, I made from sheet metal scraps. I just got pieces and I was like, okay, what can I design using these leftover pieces? And that's what I designed from. So I can be able to cut the cost of metals because right now, even with like how the recession is going, metals fluctuate too. So where inexpensive Brass used to be a little inexpensive. Um, bronze used to be a little expensive. Anything was more a little less expensive than gold. And that was the reason why I chose to use those metals. Well, now, even with sterling silver, I used to use sterling silver. It was less expensive. But now metals have increased in the market. And especially now that the dollar's being challenged, a lot of the things that are holding stability are your metals. So they end up having greater value. Well, greater value in that means that in order to buy metals, in order to make any of my jewelry, that means that I'm going to be paying a higher cost for those metals. So if I want to go and get like a full on sheet of uncut metal, whether it's sterling silver, whether it's bronze, whether it's brass, I'm going to pay way more than what I paid years ago for it. And that affects the cost in which I'm going to be able to sell my jewelry. Mm. And just because the cost of the metal went up does not mean that somebody's going to look at the earrings, that same pair of earrings and think, oh, I would pay more for them. No, the cost of what somebody would pay is still the same amount. It's just that what it costs to make it is now more. So in order to be able to still sell jewelry at a reasonable price, but still be able to get the design in and still be able to get the creative styling in, I'm using what I have. That means whatever stones I have, that's the jewelry I'm going to have. So when people are like, oh, could you make it? And But use this? Mm-mm, no, I can't. Mm-mm, <laughs> no. 
because I'm able to sell at this price because this is the stones that I have. They're still quality stones, but if I were to go and buy this stone in another color, it's a whole different price bracket. So I am designing according to what I have right now. And that is how I deal with finances. But it is a, it is tricky because there are things that I have that I'm like, I would really love to create. And I'm just like, you're going to have to put that on the back burner until metals come down and tools come down and just design according to what I have in my home now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gets hard to budget for things like that. And that's, I think what always, um, I, I know it's upsetting for you, but like hearing you talk sometimes about some of the feedback you get from people or the questions that you get from people and people not really understanding all of what you just said and how mm-hmm. like the cost of the materials can fluctuate at any time. And you don't have any control over that. Your time and energy can fluctuate at any time that you have no control over mm-hmm. and plus like the more that you do it the more you are you're protect you're um you're increasing your craft right mm-hmm. so it's also like who who works for 10 years 20 years and not get a raise you know what right. i mean so it's mm-hmm. like people really forget they really think that art should be cheap mm-hmm. and that's and then- really that's awful like that's so frustrating as a creator And then there's costs in there that also are affected by the economy. So like shipping costs, I Mm -hmm. ship for free, right? Because Mm -hmm. everybody ships for free. So now it's like, especially now that shipping has really escalated in price. If I was to charge somebody for shipping, I would lose them at checkout. They would look and be like, oh my God, by the time I pay for shipping, this is like so close to what I'm paying for the earrings. So I eat the cost on shipping and then also um, market rates when it comes to processing credit cards. I have a percentage of if you use a credit card to pay for a piece of jewelry, if you use PayPal to pay for a piece of jewelry, then I pay a percentage to them for processing. That percentage has increased according to what county you are in because county taxes have increased. If I get someone who does Fulton County versus somebody who does Cobb County. I'm paying, you know, a percentage that is like maybe $3 in Cobb County. I mean, um, Fulton County, but it's five or $6 in Cobb County. And even though you're paying that in, that percentage is what I have to get back. So I'm not getting all of that. So you're taking like a percentage off for processing the credit card, for the taxes according to whatever county you ordered out of. I have to pay according to whatever that county is that you were living in. I have to pay according to whatever the increase is in the materials. Um, I also have my packaging costs that comes out of that as well. So it's like you start cutting down what is coming out of the hole, those cute little bags that everything comes in, that cute box that is delivered in, like all of those things come out of the initial cost in the before I can get down to what I'm actually making off of this. So it's it can be frustrating sometimes because there are people who are like, well can I get a deal? And I'm like, no, the deal is no 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 shipping. The deal is the cost in which I'm putting it at. 
if I cut into the cost any more than what I am, I'm literally, you're just literally paying me to make it for you and ship yeah. it for you. Like I'm now becoming just like a courier or I'm now just becoming a delivery person and, and just created this thing. And so I don't think people really understand like all the, the costs that co go into it is not literally just the materials. And then you're like, well, I know that this didn't seem like that. This was that difficult. I know I can get something similar from Target or I can go get something similar from Macy's. And I'm like, go, go to Target, Target go, go to Macy's. Macy's. God bless you because <laughs> yeah. Target and Macy's, they have it because, you know, they have it where they can buy in a big enough of a bulk that they get a steep discount. So if mm -hmm. they're ordering, like let's say if they make earrings and they're ordering like thousands of pallets of that metal they're paying cents on the dollar literally so they can afford to be able to give you a pair of earrings for 15 dollars. they ain't pay but two cents for it so they're making a profit they've got their own delivery company they're making a profit whereas if a small business owner is getting it they're not ordering materials at that large of a quantity so they're paying that same material and they might be paying two or three dollars for that same piece because they can't order in large. So that that's a big, huge chunk of the difference in what you are paying. So yeah, if, you, if, if it's something that you see and you're like, I can go get something similar, then I, I say go for it because you can't come at creators and, and then, and I just, I don't think it's also rude. I think it's kind of rude to it's tell somebody rude. that I can go get something that's similar to this for less, for much less. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to go and pay somebody who took a machine and they just stamped it out and they gave it to you and versus going to somebody who created it, then, then that is, you are their target market. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not my target market. The other thing I don't like is I do not like it when people bring me somebody else's design and says, can you do something like this? Mm -hmm. Or they take my design and they go to somebody who might be less expensive and they are like, can you do something like this? Because what it's saying is I like your creativity, but I don't want to pay you what it's worth. So I'm going to go to somebody else who's cheaper, who does not have the creativity. And I'm going to ask them, can they duplicate this thing? And I think that that's just, I think that's a horrible practice. I think it's a horrible yeah. thing where even when you see people and they say they're fashion designers or artists and they're on social media and they're doing their thing. And then like a week later, one of their followers are tagging them, showing that another creator created it. They're getting a deal off of it. They're getting a spot. Nisi talked about it, how mm -hmm. she created that product. And then you know, that she didn't get approached. They went to another creator who had stolen it, didn't give her the credit or anything like that and passed it off as their own and getting like accolades for it. It's like, it's, 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 it's horrible to. Yeah. I know. Like, well, that, it, it's funny. Cause we also talked about that part we were going to do it an, an episode about this idea of like appropriating Mm -hmm. creativity especially from black creators you know mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. in listening to you talk like everything that you're saying is exactly why I didn't want to continue well no I not say I didn't want to continue but I went from self-publishing my picture book to wanting to try traditional publishing for a lot of those reasons because self-publishing a picture book is expensive as I'll get out mm -hmm. and you're not only is it like as a self-published creator are you having to put in more of your own financial resources into getting mm. this book out into the world. When there are things that happen like, 
a pulp shortage, which happens mm. way more often than we even talk about where we mm. don't have enough trees, we don't have to make paper mm. because we are just annihilating forests across, around the globe, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not planting and they're not growing fast enough to make up for how much we are using. So all of a sudden you've got all these smaller independent booksellers, independent bookmakers, creators who are now competing with larger publishers mm -hmm. for just for paper to print mm -hmm. your book on, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and that can just completely, like you might start your budget, you might have a budget like September, but then all of a sudden you get to printing in April and it's three times the cost that you thought it was going to be because mm -hmm. there was a pulp shortage in between, you know? So I was just like, listen, I need to find somebody else to give me money to self-publish these books because mm -hmm, I can't, mm -hmm. I, you can't compete. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first started getting into this, you know, it's, I think there's an assumption that being a writer is you write something, you get paid and you make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And that I will tell you is like, 0.5% of the writing population across all genres. That is not what happens. And it takes money to be a writer. And I hate to say that because it, it, I don't want to like kill anybody's dream of being a writer, but a friend of mine, Kate O'Shaughnessy, she's a middle grade writer. She was the only person and the first person who spoke about this honestly. Mm -hmm. And it was, yes, you want to be a writer, but yes, you're going to have to have some money because even let's say you write a paper, like you write a beautiful story on a yellow tablet piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. You still, if you want to get through the gatekeepers, and that's another thing too, there are so many gatekeepers in the publishing world. They are not trying to make it an even playing field and especially not for BIPOC authors. Mm -hmm. So there's always gatekeepers about like, well, who is the editor that helped you, you know, edit your story together? What memberships are you, like what member groups are you a part of that you have to buy memberships for, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, what classes have you taken? Like, you know, even if you don't get an MFA, which I would not recommend to anybody really to get an MFA to publish a book, I would do an MFA if you want to become a librarian or mm -hmm. if you want to become a, an editor or something like in the world of publishing. But mm -hmm. as a writer, you don't need to do it. But as a writer, you do need to learn craft. So that means you're still buying books to learn how to learn craft. You're, like mm -hmm. I said, you're taking classes, you're doing conferences, you're doing retreats. And you're also having to do these things because you do need to have a network in writing. You need to know who knows who in the agent world. You need to know who knows who in the editorial world, in the publishing houses world, like other authors. And so, you know, it takes money to be a writer which is so dumb because it really should just be about you can tell a good story and that's all that it should be about. Because when you sell that story, you still have to deal with an editor. So it's mm -hmm. like, why do I have to pay for an editor just to get me to the point where another editor is going to do the same thing, right? Right. And so it's it's kind of crazy how much it you actually do end up spending money to do the thing that you love as a writer. Now, I know that's true for like any you know creative endeavor, but it just feels like there's other... Like being a painter, you are going to learn, but you're going to have to pay the cost of your materials, right? Mm -hmm. But you could watch YouTube, you could do all of these other things, right? Mm -hmm. But you're still going to have to jump through the hoops of finding the people who are going to represent you, getting your mm -hmm. stuff into a gallery, getting your stuff mounted on a wall, like just even mm -hmm. hanging a photograph of like making sure the mat is correct, make sure the, the frame looks right, you know? Mm -hmm. We have all of these preconceived notions of how art should be appear mm -hmm. and that if it doesn't appear in that way if you don't present it in that way then therefore there's no value to it mm -hmm. 
So you end up spending so much money just to get it validated by other people in order yeah. to hopefully make money. Yeah. And even as a picture book author, you're not making a whole lot of money even when you do sell a picture book. And you get an advance, which is, you know, maybe somewhere between, I'm going to be completely transparent, somewhere between 10000 and 20000 depending mm -hmm. on the book, depending on the publishing house. But that's your advance. So that means that once you get that check, you're not getting any more money until you have sold enough units of your book to pay back that advance to the publisher. Right. And then you might be getting, like, a small percentage of any royalties after that. Mm -hmm. And so very few authors ever make it to that point of when they're getting royalties or when mm -hmm. they've paid through their advance. Like mm -hmm. it could be, I, I saw one author just talking about it. She's like, well, my book that I wrote 10 years ago and published like eight years ago, I'm just got a check for $5. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> you, know? like, you couldn't even buy your own book with that royalty. Right. Listen. <laughs> That is that is the hardcore reality, right? It's just like it's the it's the hardcore reality of people, like you said, thinking that you're going and you're selling these books and there is you must be making just hand over fist money. I love it when people are just like, so how's the business going? And I'm like, it's going good. You, you get a lot of orders, and I'm like, I mean, what are you expected? Like. <laughs> What's a lot to you? What's a lot to you? I mean, like, because I had two this month, and that was great. I, I'm, I'm always like grateful when I have orders come through. I'm not sure exactly what you are thinking. Like, no, Beyonce has not called yet. No, I am not. My stuff has not been used in the latest Black Panther movie. Um, no, I. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yes what the expectation is but i think it's also we're in this society of like right now where people blow up so quickly so they automatically assume that you are blowing up everybody's blowing up and it's like no and then and we're going to get into another conversation later on that blow up ain't exactly what you think it is like it's not what it looks like and and then this is getting into the mental part of it which is where it can play on your mental capacity if you get caught up in what you think blowing up looks like mm -hmm. or what you think, how, when you think it should happen. And I was on that wheel for a years, okay, mm -hmm. of, and the frustration that came with it and, you know, all of a sudden, like, not feeling like creating anymore. And I had to get off of it because I was just like, okay, you have to, you really have to love your creative craft. Like you, I think there's a difference between being a creative and being an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like when you're leaving with the entrepreneur mindset, you're leaving with the expectation and the goal of money. And there is a specific line that you're trying to reach before you can be like, yes. Whereas I feel like with a creative who happens to also be an entrepreneur, you lead first in your creativity, which is, okay, do I enjoy this? And at any point, if I stop enjoying this, I stop the, cre literally the creativity just stops. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to live in a space of frustration with your creativity, then you definitely have to deal with the mentality of what that's going to look like for you, for you not in comparison to anybody else, but for you and how that fits realistically in your life, 
with your ability to be able to meet and reach goals that feel successful, that feel, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, that feels um, satisfying for you. Mm -hmm. And I have became the creative that can find satisfaction in my creativity in the very small goals, the very small wins. Because mentally, if I have these lofty goals and I don't reach them and or they're not reached consistently, mentally, it just wipes me out. And then it destroys this creativity the creative spirit that I have. Mm -hmm. So yeah. mentally I have to be in a space that says, okay, what are we doing this for? We're doing this for the love, the craft. Would I do this if there's little to no money? Yes. I cannot mm -hmm. see not doing this. Like I cannot see saying forever from this point, moving forward, I never want to create or make anything else again. So I know that for me, it's not necessarily about the money. It is something that I strive to become a creative that can be an entrepreneur and, and um, support myself based off of my creativity. But my creativity is not based off of looking at where, where I am on the list of goals. So when somebody asks me like, well, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, man. I'm in a place where I'm actually able to create. And, and do it at my leisure and, and it's pleasurable. Oh, okay. So you've got a lot of orders. Those are two different scenarios. <laughs> you asked me how it was going. You didn't ask me about that. That has nothing to do <laughs> with how many orders I have. And I had to accept that for myself because for me, when that next question, which always comes up, it's always the next question. As soon as you tell somebody you're doing good and you feel good, they want to be like, okay. Now I need to be able to see how I can compare. Like, is she doing good according to what I think is good so that I can know, is it really valid? And I used to, that used to bring me down because that shifts me from my creativity to scalable goals. Like, have I reached a goal that I feel society would think would be good? Not what I thought was good because that should have been the end of the conversation. Oh, you're doing good. Great. But now that it's escalated, it's like, oh, orders now defines what's doing good. Oh, well, in that case, and I was like, I'm not speaking that on myself. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that. I said business is good. I, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy myself. So mentally, you really do have to figure out what does that mean for you? How, how can you create so that it works for you? regardless of the conversations that are being had when people come and approach you and they want to know like, okay, how, how are things going financially? Because it always, at least here, I don't know, maybe everywhere, but at least in the States, it always comes back down to how much money you're bringing, bringing in. And mentally, if that is how you, um, how you determine whether you are successful or not, whether your creative craft is loved and appreciated or even if you are good, like, oh, you must not be good. And I did that for so long. And it wasn't until I had this past event that I was doing that I um, I didn't have time to make a lot of stuff. I made two different um, new pieces, which I haven't put on my site yet, but I sold them at this place. And when I say that pieces that I thought 
were must must not be good. I must have missed the mark. I must it just must not be things that people like. But it was like I'm bringing my inventory because this is what I have and I want something to sell just so I can get my name out there. When I say people were buying this stuff, there was one piece that I just knew nobody liked. And I had three people waiting in line for this piece in case the person in front of them decided they didn't want it to the point where the person who really wanted it, they were like, I'm getting this piece y'all because it goes with the earrings that I just got from her and I want them both together. And they were like, okay, she doesn't get it. And I was just sitting there thinking all along, cause this is way back into the beginning. I'm like, it's always been good. It's just that when people ask you, well, how are you getting a lot of business? Are you making a lot of sales? And the answer is no. Then it makes you feel like if the answer is no, then why are you saying it's good? Because you're not mm -hmm. doing answers. And then that must mean people don't like it and people don't want it. And it was that moment that I was like, no, you've always been good. It's just you haven't been in the front of people's eyes. When you get in front of people's eyes, then, then you have those people who will order it, will buy it. But orders have nothing to do with whether you're good or not. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with whether you're successful in your designing and in, in your ability to make quality good pieces. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with that. And it that just happened like maybe two months ago. Other than that, it was always a mental battle. And there is and, and there is a mental battle that happens that you just I think all creators have it, but it's just it lands in different places, you know, for different people. That happened to be mentally what was a struggle for me was in that day. Yeah. Girl, when I tell you that there are a lot of New York Times bestselling authors that are depressed, it because, mm -hmm. and it's not even a financial thing, mm -hmm. what it is, and you kind of taught, you touched on this a little bit. It's not a financial thing. It's regardless, regardless. It does not matter like how successful your book is, but inevitably, now, you have just spent, as a writer, you've spent maybe anywhere from seven years to four years to three years working on your book, right? And even doing rewrite. I mean, that's not even, like, that's just the writing of it. That's not including the revisions after it's sold. It doesn't, you know, like, you're going through rounds and rounds and rounds of revisions. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of sleepless nights getting through that before it finally gets to the door, before it finally gets in your hands holding it, and you're just like, yes! It's in my hands, you know? Right. And inevitably, at the at the freaking launch party, somebody's going to be like, so what's your next book? And you're like, I just spent three years of my life bringing you this one. And you're already right. like, you're only as good as the next thing that you have coming out. And that is depressing as all get out. Because you're like, listen, I could only do so much. I like this book. I'm just celebrating this book, you know? Like, that's mm -hmm. like somebody asking you, like, you're in the... You're like at the baby shower after the, or the baby's, you know, the baby's born. And they're like, okay, so when you have the next one. And you're just they like, do that you too. don't get, I know, right? You don't get out of my face. But yeah, so I mean, so that's an emotional thing, a mental uh, issue, juggle, a mental juggle that a lot of authors have to go through too. It's like, you're, again, you're only as good as the next thing that you have going out. And so then that causes this mental competition with yourself of like a hamster wheel of like, okay, well, I guess I got to start writing. I got to, you know, I got to sell the next thing. And, and then you start producing crap because all you start doing is looking at the trends. 
mm-hmm. and chasing after trends mm-hmm. or you start writing things that you think other people are going to want to read and not oh my you gosh. Really write about or you start you know questioning maybe the things that you like nobody else likes right mm-hmm. and like and and that is just so demoralizing it's so demoralizing and then like you know three five years later you find yourself in this position where you're like i don't like any of the things that i've written they're crap they don't really stand for who i am you know like i just cashed in some checks so you sold yourself out you sold your soul to Mm -hmm. the the publishing company Mm -hmm. you know and you start realizing that like you you know like we call our work like um ips right like intellectual Mm -hmm. properties and one day you wake up and you realize oh my god i'm the internet uh, intellectual property and that is not a fun feeling because that is a soulless soulless way to have to live your life Mm -hmm. and i say that as having now just come out of that because i was in that for a long like for two years i was just like oh my god what am i going to write next i haven't sold anything or you know well i you know it just you get into that spiral and so like mentally for me i've had to just like change who I follow on Instagram. I think I talked about this before because social can really like play into that Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden you start, right? You start following, I was following only authors, right? Mm -hmm. So then it was like my comparison game was like through the roof because it's Mm -hmm. like all through my scroll, it's like, oh, well, this person sold the book. Oh, this person's at this conference. Oh, this person just won this award. And it's just like, I wasn't really thinking about like, what's the story that you want to tell? Are you having fun writing the project that you're working on right now? And I realized that the work that does the best are the ones that I'm like, I'm writing this for me mm-hmm. and hope that others, like other people will uh, be interested in it. Like the To Boldly Go, the Nichelle Nichols and Star Trek book, I did not think would sell. Mm-hmm. And then even after it sold and it was out into the world, I did not think people, I thought, you know, it wouldn't, like people wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of overwhelming and in a good way, a positive way of the reinforcement of people like i love star trek you know mm-hmm. and it's like thank you for writing this book and i'm just like mm-hmm. oh i found my people you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but in 2016 when i started writing the book i was like well i'm just writing this because i love michelle nichols i love star trek i love uhura it had impact on my life and it was really fun to research her life and learn things about her that i didn't even know before so mm-hmm. it was one of the funnest projects that i worked on and so now i'm kind of like having that as a litmus test Mm -hmm. of like, okay, are you feeling this way about this next project the way that you felt about that project? Mm -hmm. You know, like, would you do this regardless of if it sells, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. what you were saying, it's like, Mm -hmm. would you do this if you're not making money? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one of the things like I love about performers like Beyonce or Lady Gaga, they would be doing this in a bar, a, Mm -hmm. you know, a dive bar, in ripped up jeans yep. and a flannel shirt mm-hmm. with like, you know, a piano player and maybe a bass guitarist. And like, and they would still be doing it because mm-hmm. they love it just that much. Yeah. And, and that is so, so important of like, and that's a good litmus test for yourself as a creative. Cause it's like, if you're like, I'm not happy doing this, then that's a great sign that maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's very, um, you know, just, it, it, it definitely is, affects your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Even the way that, well, you were talking about, um, you were talking about people waiting for your next project, that kind of thing. And it, that can, that, that, that itself takes you on an emotional roller coaster. When I first started out, I had my thought of what I thought a jewelry designer was, right? And so I looked at it as it aligned along with fashion. So you know how fashion has different, they have their fall, they have their, 
you know, their spring, their winter, they have all of their different releases, right? And so at one time I used to try to release according to, alongside with fashion. And it about drove me batty. Like, I was just like, I don't, just like you said, I'm creating just to be like, okay, well, what can I create now? What's, what's trending? What, what are people going to like, you know, what are, what, what are the things that they're liking? And, you know, I had to sit back and, and I didn't feel good about myself and I had to sit back and remember why did I get into this? What was the feeling behind it? What was making me feel really creative in a sense? And I, I decided that I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not putting my stuff along. I'm not designing along the fashion lines. I stopped doing, putting my stuff in stores because, you know, people come back and be like, okay, everything's sold out. What's next? And I'm like, the same thing? I mean, like, I can make you more of the same thing. What do you mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, so it made me feel like, okay, maybe I'm not as creative as I think because I don't have these creative ideas that are coming fast enough, like as, as the way that these other places are coming. And then it was like, you were also talking about, oh, and then it was like type of jewelry. Like people were like, oh, I really want a ring or I want a bracelet. And I'm like, well, I don't really feel strong in that area. And they're like, oh, I saw some of your rings. And I'm like, yeah, it looks good, but I don't feel strong. Meaning that it doesn't feel good in Mm -hmm. order to make it. It's a struggle. It feels hard. It's like, I don't want to do that type of of jewelry and they're like oh but i really wish you know oh i remember when you used to do really big statement pieces when are those coming back and i'm like yeah i don't feel like doing those and i i I, so i decided to become the designer the creative that creates according to what i feel like i told the last part the last episode that we did i'm like i did anklets because i felt very sensual sexual wanted something around my ankle and i sold them but now i'm not selling no more and i'm like that's it you know, and somebody asked me when I'm doing statements, I'm like, I don't know. Right now I'm feeling delicate and feminine. I love the fact that I've redefined what I feel like doing according to how I feel and what makes me feel good versus standing in society's norms. Because just like you were talking about how someone, you know, had their book out and then somebody's asking for the next book. And it's like, I can only imagine like, and I'm trying to break that cycle before I even get into that kind of setting if it ever happens. But like, when people imagine that people are on the bestsellers list or people get a Grammy and the assumption is that, oh, you blew up. Mm-hmm. But on the background, they're like, nah, I was just on the bestsellers list. Like, <laughs> I'm still out here. You know, I'm still trying to trying to sell these books. Like, that was just on the bestsellers list. There's so many actors um, who say, like, I thought that me getting this, um, this um, Oscar, I thought I was going to just the... I thought the offers were just going to roll in and I thought I was getting ready to blow up. And it's like nothing happened after that. It was just, I just now have an Oscar. You or your feelings get so caught up in what people's expectations of what they think is supposed to look like that if you don't rein that in quickly for yourself, it can feel so um, heavy. It can feel so weighted. And it feels like because you have this responsibility almost not to disappoint people that you don't know, but also to actually self-qualify yourself to say that you can do this. That means that it has to be done this many times a year and you have to be doing all the things. You've got to do earrings and necklaces and jewelry and this and that. And you need to do all these medals. Where's your gold? Where's your silver? Where's your this? 
And it's like, no. And then you're, you're in a magazine. Oh, so then that must mean, no, I was just in a magazine. That's right? all that was. <laughs> that was all that was. I, I, that, we still going back to the job. I got to go tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't want to get caught up in your expectations for what you think this should look like. And when it doesn't look like that, it means that to you, it must not be success, which then makes me feel like it's not success. I now have separated myself and I have to consciously keep that separation because it's a slippery slope to reminding myself, this is about what makes me feel good. I create, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm my best at my creative when I'm tapped into what makes me feel good, what makes me feel at peace. And it does not matter how you feel about it, what you think about it, or what you um, identify as what it should look like. All that matters is what is in this head, this body, and how I feel successful in doing all of these things. Yeah. Girl, that is so important because, again, it can tear you apart, and especially, mm -hmm. I think, even more so. Sometimes it feels like it can be more so when you've had major success than no success at all. So one of the examples I'll bring up, my last example, is Tome Adeyame, who uh, was the author of Children and Blood and Bone. Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. Children and Blood and Bone came out, like Beyonce was posting about it, mm. Obama was posting about everybody mm -hmm. was posting about it, New York Times bestseller, she mm -hmm. was on the cover of Vogue magazine, you know wow. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. she was just like, she got like a deal through Disney, like a... Uh, Lucas, George Lucas was going to do the film, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like, she blew up. Mm -hmm. This was a three book series. The other two books have come out. Mm. Have you seen anything about those books? Mm -mm. If you go to Kirkus Reviews, which is oh. like the big trade review reviewer of the industry, mm -hmm. and you look up the reviews for the other two books. Uh oh. When I'm having a bad day, I'm sorry, Miss Tommy. Uh oh, uh -oh. When I'm having a bad day. <laughs> you about to say something problematic. <laughs> I feel like you about to say something problematic. I just use this as an example, and I would hope she would hope, like be okay with using this as an example. Okay. It's a very real life example. I go and read those two, like I go read the reviews from the, the other books because mm -hmm. they were not. They were brutal. They were. Mm -hmm brutal again you haven't heard nothing about those books like mm -hmm. maybe the second one it might have lifted up here or there but mm -hmm. it was out it's been out for a really long time mm. now so you got to look at all of that success is also fleeting mm -hmm. now is she still writing books i don't know like she might be a model now because she's beautiful and like i mm -hmm. keep seeing like like photo shoots of her so she might be a model and i'd be like go sis get your money right. i don't care right pivot <laughs> but yeah pivot i don't care you know like <laughs> do what you gotta do but i also am like but there hasn't been any more like you know book deal announcements right mm -hmm. like i haven't seen her in any panel discussions i mm -hmm. haven't really seen her in the writing world and and so you know again like that's no reflection on her that is a reflection of the gatekeepers and their mm -hmm. opinions of her work. But it's also just a good example of like, you really have to love your craft because people are going to have opinions about it. They might put you on a pedestal one minute and then, you know, play kick the can with you the other. Mm -hmm. And you just really have to be strong enough in your love for what you do and what you want to put out into the world. And no matter what, what, what people say. And even if it all falls apart, you know, like maybe this movie deal full of, I don't know why, I mean, I'm not keeping up with it, but like things fall apart too. Yeah. And you have to really be okay with your, yourself and your creative, your creativity and, and the belief and the confidence in yourself that you know that you can keep going 
and that maybe it's just like you're in a, in a moment of what more can I learn about my craft? What mm-hmm. new things can I learn? What new mm-hmm. platforms can I write to? Things like that. What media can I write to? You know, mm-hmm. there's always new things that you can do with your creativity. Mm-hmm. It's just willing or not, whether or not it brings you enough joy to pursue it. You know, mm-hmm. I always feel like if I don't feel like writing, I, I know this, like right now I'm kind of in a slump with picture books. So I'm going to try YA novels because mm-hmm. I have some YA ideas, you know, mm-hmm. but I also mm-hmm. like, Maybe I might get sick of books and I might try, you know, start working on my TV pilot or my mm-hmm. film script, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I know that there's other things that I can do with my storytelling that I don't have, like, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing. Sometimes we get so stuck in the idea of thinking like the way that something looks like right now is the only way that it's going to look like for you. Mm-hmm. And um, it's always good to know that there's other options, you know, yeah. creative and your creativity. Yeah. I think it's always great when you can be honest with yourself, like don't, push something if it's not coming but there's something else that's coming don't be like Shh, i'm not doing you right now i was i wasn't planning on doing you for another two or three years this though and it's like no be so open in your creative craft that if you have a gift in different things whatever is showing up there are streams within your creativity flow in whatever stream is flowing don't be sitting up in a dry brook <laughs> <laughs> Talking about, I know the water's going to come, but you got a flooding, a flood over here in another creative process because you can always come back. Things, yes. there's ebbs and flows. There's literally things and there's a reason for it. Maybe the project that's flowing right now that you didn't think was going to, you were going to even start on it for another two or three years. Maybe it's flowing because you should start now. And it's like, this is drying up because it's like, okay, let's get this stuff. And that may be dried up and be, and that might dry up and then this starts flowing and then you come back over here and then maybe it doesn't happen for two or three years. But in order for it to happen two or three years from now, you needed to get these pieces rolling because you didn't realize that it takes forever to get these licenses and it takes forever to find this part. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just and it, it just takes more than what you think. So trust your creative gut, your creative spirit that is not leading you astray is telling you that this is where your strong suit lies. And it's going to be OK if this is not done, because we can circle back. Maybe when it's time for us to circle back, this is going to be even bigger. And that's when it's going to be time for you to hit this up, this project up. But I think the really important thing of all of it, like using the example of the person that you were talking about who was just blowing up is live in the moment. Mm -hmm. Celebrate what is now. And I I can't emphasize that anymore because there is so much greatness that you are creating that if you get caught up in this cycle and not celebrate your wins, it will be over. And how bad would that be to remember, but it's uh, it's, it's like a, a, a floating back into your memories. Like, man, remember that time when I had like book deals, I was sitting on panels. Man, George Lucas, it didn't come to anything, but he wanted to make a movie. <laughs> and all it is is a memory because in that moment, you didn't celebrate it. You didn't bask in it. You didn't take it in. You didn't live in that moment. So all it is is a callback. Like, listen, Literally, I don't care how small it is or whatever, man. I don't, when I get like someone who tells me, like I had an instance the other day, um, the new design that I created, I was wearing them at work and a girl who I work with, she's like, I love those earrings. And I was like, girl, these are the ones I told you I designed. I just ain't put them up yet. I put them at the event. She was like, oh yeah, those are the new ones. And it felt good because 
she was giving me a genuine compliment, not realizing that it was mine. And I was like, in that, I'm going to celebrate it. No, was it was it a sale? No, but it let me know I'm 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 doing good. I'm somebody likes it enough that they just think it's somebody something I just bought off of, you know, out of another store and they gave me a compliment about it. Like I'm living in this moment because I there was moments where I didn't have time to create or I wasn't in the mental place to be able to create in a peaceful manner or I was just emotionally going through so much that I was creating out of a lower vibration emotionally. So, and I don't know how long, we don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how long I'm going to be creating. I don't know. I, I, I work with my hands. I'm taking every moment to celebrate my ability to be able to work with this metal, these small pieces, my eyesight, being able to see stuff. Like I am celebrating the moment and I'm living in the moment of my creativity now because I don't know. There might be a time I might have to shift shift to a different type of creating because of my eyesight or because of my hands. And I'll celebrate that then. But like celebrate your wins, celebrate all of the things that you are living in in that moment. It doesn't matter how small, how big, how mediocre, whatever. It's something that made you feel good. Live in it, live in it, it real loudly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, creative friends, we hope that this episode has, you know, I mean, we want to be honest. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to falsify what happens behind the scenes. And Mm -hmm. this is real stuff that we really have to go through that we really, that's really challenging Mm -hmm. um, that we talk about on the show, but we also talk about offline on the show in real Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really hope that you got something out of it. But, you know, out of all of this, like, the hope is that you understand that your stories, your creativity, whatever it is that you want to put out into the world is important. We Mm -hmm. need it. We need Mm -hmm. to see it. So Mm -hmm. please do not let money keep you from doing it. Don't let other people's opinions keep you from doing it. Do it because it brings you joy. And when you put it into the world, know that it will, you'll find your people and you'll be bringing joy to others. Yes. Yes. So with that, we conclude this episode of living creatively with your hosts, Angela Dalton and Monica Parks. Remember, you can also connect with us on Instagram at Living Creatively Now, Living Creatively Podcast Facebook page, and on our website, this is livingcreatively.com to subscribe or to send us questions that you'd like us to answer or advice you may need as a fellow creative. Remember, we also do have our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, go check us out over at Living Creatively Podcast on YouTube. Yes, yes. Thank you for joining us and being part of our Living Creatively community. Always remember to protect your heart, protect your mind, and protect your gift. Until next time. Bye. Bye.